Welcome to the vodcast. I recently conducted a poll on my Twitter page asking people which of four topics they'd like me to tackle in my next presentation. The result was a tie between providing the facts of the U.S. government's income tax scam and discussing who's criticizing Elon Musk at this point in history and why. I tackled the income tax issue about a week ago. I'll put a link to that mind-blowing presentation in the notes. I encourage you to watch it. Today, I'll discuss who it is that's attacking Musk and why they're doing it. It may be more complex than you've considered. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Let's start with this. Musk has always been a bit of a controversial figure, but the angst some people have about him increased exponentially after he purchased Twitter. Owning Twitter has been a complete game changer in terms of how people now talk about Musk. Perhaps the largest and most vocal group condemning Musk are leftists, who absolutely adored Twitter's censorship. I get why they adored it so. It overwhelmingly targeted users who are on the political right. Whether one believed that or not, early on with the release of the Twitter files, there's no longer any doubt that's what had been happening at Twitter during at least the last three years before Musk took control. Leftists saw Twitter as a safe space where they could tweet any left-leaning content their hearts desired without Twitter censors taking any action against them, and they could gloat over their political adversaries being suspended either for a period of time or permanently. In some cases, a right-leaning person's account would be frozen until he or she knuckled under to Twitter's leftist censors and removed a tweet the leftist censors had declared unacceptable. One of the revelations that came out in the Twitter files was that once certain employees at Twitter were given the power to suppress speech, they found more and more reasons to do so. They also worked to expand their authority to silence people. They looked at policies that had originally been enacted to address narrow subjects and worked diligently to expand those policies to embrace an ever-increasing list of subjects. None of that was a surprise to me because that's simply human nature. You give someone the power to silence speech and that person will inevitably seek to silence speech on an ever-increasing basis. And so it was at Twitter. But to be clear, if there was a social media platform that gave a bunch of right-leaning staff the power to censor speech, they would end up going down the same path as did the leftists at Twitter. It is this ugly reality of human nature that makes censorship so evil and pernicious and why it should never be allowed. The next group that's notable for its criticism of Musk since he took over Twitter is the media. While obviously left-leaning media, based on their political ideology, has been attacking Musk vociferously since he bought Twitter, the media in general has jumped on the bandwagon. Headlines like, Twitter in chaos since Musk purchase, and many similar headlines have appeared across a wide spectrum of media. So, was Twitter ever in a state of chaos after Musk took charge? As a Twitter user myself, I can tell you the answer is absolutely no. Twitter continued on just as it was the day before Musk bought it, except ending censorship and making numerous improvements to the platform. If Twitter was never in a state of chaos, why did the press make such a claim? Because in 21st century America, most news outlets survive economically by mixing traditional news with 
entertainment masquerading as news, and Musk is a big draw for pseudo-news entertainment. Headlines claiming Twitter was in chaos, or Musk was failing at Twitter, or users were fleeing Twitter in droves, all of which being false, got a massive amount of clicks and views, and clicks and views drive ad revenue. In short, news outlets are more than happy to run any headline about Musk that drives revenue. As long as they can make drama involving Twitter or Musk sound plausible, they don't care if it's inaccurate. Then we have those who claim that Twitter under Musk is not really a free speech platform. These folks criticize Musk as well as anyone who supports free speech Twitter. I discussed these folks in a mid-December presentation. Here's what I had to say about them then. That group is people who assert that because Twitter still has rules about content, it's not really free speech. These folks take an absolutist view. Their perspective is, if Twitter disallows any speech at all, Twitter is then not a free speech platform. Let's examine that position. We'll start by looking at what Twitter disallows. I'm not going to read the list word for word because it would make this presentation boring and far longer than it needs to be, but I will put the link to Twitter's rules page in the notes so you can read them for yourself. Before I get started, as a side note, under Musk, Twitter's explanation of prohibited conduct and the steps Twitter may take when prohibited conduct occurs is considerably more clear and transparent than either Facebook or YouTube, both of which continue to engage in communist-style suppression of speech. So, Twitter's rules disallow the following. Planning or coordinating criminal activities. Threatening violence against any individual or group. Engaging in child sexual exploitation. Targeting an individual with harassment. Encouraging a person to commit suicide. Sharing excessively violent material or pornography revealing a person's private contact information without the person's consent, sharing intimate images of another without that person's consent, spamming other users, interfering in elections by misleading people about when, where, or how to vote, impersonating individuals, groups, or organizations, posting images that have been altered to make them look like they're from real news outlets when they're not, and lastly, posting items that violate federal copyright or trademark laws. So, let me ask you, did you hear anything in that list that would prohibit intellectual thought? Nothing in Twitter's rules could remotely be construed as prohibiting intellectual thought. If we distill Twitter's restrictions down to their core, the rules say you can't act like a douchebag. And because acting like a douche is the only way to get suspended on Twitter since Musk took over, I laugh when I see a person, it's, it's always men, claim they were just suspended from Twitter. In short, when guys say they were just suspended from Twitter, they aren't saying anything bad or problematic about Twitter. They're admitting they're douchebags. The fourth group who loves to knock Musk is the one that's hardest for me to understand. It's run-of-the-mill folks who have some weird emotional thing going on that causes them to attack a person they literally know nothing about other than perhaps that he's a billionaire who owns Twitter and is often in the news. This is primarily seen in social media. Examples of this are claims that no one should give Musk credit for his wealth because it came from his dad. It didn't. And the public narrative that Musk is a genius is propaganda funded by Musk. While there are a lot more petty, kooky claims out there, let's just take a quick look at those two. Did Musk get his wealth from his father? 
No, not even a little. <laughs> in 1995, Elon's dad did give Elon and his brother $38,000 for a venture named Zip2, a company that provided and licensed online city guide software to newspapers. In 1999, Zip2 was purchased by Compaq, and that sale netted Musk $22 million. That was his first real money. In that same year, Musk started a company called X.com, which was an early version of the online payment systems we now know today. In 2001, X.com's name was changed to PayPal. A year later, eBay purchased PayPal, and Musk's share of that deal was $176 million. From there, his wealth grew from both investments and new businesses such as SpaceX and Tesla. The point of that brief recitation is Musk's wealth accumulation didn't have anything to do with his father. Musk simply saw the future, acted on what he saw, and played his cards right. So, what about Musk being a genius? Or not, according to his haters. It's speculative because Musk has never taken a standardized IQ test, which is necessary in order to officially declare someone to have a particular IQ. My IQ is 136, falling into the highly gifted category. So what am I doing with all that intellectual horsepower? I'm sitting here talking with you, <laughs> and I've written a few books that have dramatically changed people's lives for the better. Musk's education background looks like this. At 21, he graduated from the University of Pennsylvania with two bachelor's degrees, one in physics, the other economics. He later acquired a doctor's degree in energy physics. Though Musk never sat for an IQ test, experts estimate his IQ to be 155, which is genius level. Musk has acknowledged having Asperger's, which experts believe also affected Isaac Newton, Henry Cavendish, and Albert Einstein, so Musk was in good company. In my opinion, what distinguishes Musk is his exceptional vision and execution of ideas. Examples of that are SpaceX, Tesla, Neuralink, Tesla Energy, and others. His vision, his ability to look at the world as events unfold and discern what is critical for tomorrow, is what impresses me most. And that brings us back to Twitter. The masses don't grasp what Musk is doing. Most people think in a narrow, linear fashion. Musk thinks dynamically and in futuristic terms. His outlook on the world is libertarian in nature. In other words, he values personal liberty, which makes sense because all of his accomplishments were possible because he saw the future and was freely able to pursue his vision. When Musk began talking about social media and free speech, he expressed concern for the future of our liberties if censorship in the digital town square became a normalized part of the American experience. At the time his concerns were aroused, the three largest social media players in the U.S., Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, were all engaged in censoring any speech that conflicted with a number of establishment narratives. My own case is a perfect example of what was happening at that time. YouTube removed my channel, and Facebook shut down my professional page that had 145,000 followers. I was removed for two reasons. First, because what I had to say was in conflict with establishment lies. Second, because I was early, not because I was wrong. What does that mean? Back in early 2021 and moving forward, I was discussing anticipated problems with the mRNA vaccines that have subsequently been substantiated by independent research. In other words, I understood the likelihood of those problems was very high, and I shared my thoughts openly with my audience. It didn't matter that I said there was no solid evidence at that time, but I was confident researchers would see the evidence develop in vaccinated recipients as time went on. In fact, 
That only made my statements worse to the communist censors at YouTube and Facebook. Another disclosure that enraged the communist gatekeepers was when I said there is no evidence the so-called vaccines activate production of memory T-cells. Current evidence makes an unassailable case that they don't. If the vaccines activated production of memory T-cells, people wouldn't need ongoing injections. After the first few shots, you'd have protection lasting at minimum years, likely decades, and possibly the rest of your life. That's the level of protection that comes with memory T-cells. Yet, in a person who receives the mRNA vaccine, just the opposite occurs. As the neutralizing antibodies fade away, the person has no protection from infection or from getting ill with COVID-19. Furthermore, no matter how many mRNA injections a person gets, the same continues to be true. No ongoing injections equals no more protection from infection or disease. It is impossible for that to be true if the vaccines were activating production of memory T cells. I should add that natural infection and old-fashioned killed virus or attenuated virus vaccines do activate production of memory T cells, just not mRNA vaccines, which is the reason they are not vaccines in any authentic use of that word, but merely therapeutic products. When I first presented this information, I said I foresaw injections being necessary every four months in order to provide ongoing protection. And in fact, we now know if you want continuous jab-provided protection, you need another shot at least every four months. However, doing that repeatedly will, over time, make the person more prone to infection and illness, so even that approach won't give people the protection they're seeking. The reason they will never get the protection they want is the product they keep putting in their bodies does not activate production of memory T-cells, without which there will never be any long-term protection from the virus or its disease. That's also the reason the world has not achieved herd immunity, despite the fact that most experts agree everyone on the planet has now been exposed to SARS-CoV-2. As you can imagine, few people would want to be injected with an experimental temporary therapeutic, masquerading as a vaccine, if they knew in doing so, it would ensure they never developed long-term protection. That reality made my pronouncement a financial threat to Big Pharma, so I had to be silenced. How many tens of billions of dollars went into Big Pharma's pocket for a product almost no one would have wanted had they been told the injection will never create memory T-cells and thus never provide anything other than fleeting protection? Dr. Marty McCary, one of the shining lights pushing for medical freedom of speech over the last three years, recently said in reference to the virus, COVID-19, and the vaccines, quote, there's a long list of misinformation from the government, close quote. As I'm recording this, the UK just signed a 10-year agreement with Moderna for 250 million mRNA doses a year. Australia is doing the same to the tune of 100 million doses a year. 100 million doses for a nation with a population of 26 million. That's just shy of four anti-SARS-CoV-2 injections a year for every man, woman, and child in Australia. Clearly, the injections offer nothing in terms of durable protection if governments are taking steps to ensure injections go on for years. Planning for years of anti-SARS-CoV-2 injections also makes crystal clear that governments know the shots don't activate production of memory T-cells. I'll put a link in the notes to my presentation on the science of the memory T-cell issue. The point of that brief detour is I had to be silenced, not because I was wrong, in fact, I was correct, but because I had the unmitigated gall to speak various truths the establishment wanted to keep quiet. The meaningful aspect of all that in terms of today's presentation is that only Twitter 
has stopped engaging in that communist-style censorship. And that is solely because Elon Musk had the foresight to give Americans one major platform that doesn't punish its users for speaking the truth or simply sharing an opinion that may or may not be factual. If you are not allowed to say something that may be mistaken, then others will have the job of determining whether you may speak at all. If that doesn't turn your blood cold, you have no intellectual or emotional connection to free speech. Fortunately, Musk does. Let's talk Neuralink for a moment. I see people frequently condemning Musk for the idea of placing a chip in the human brain that will link the brain to all the world's knowledge. His critics claim it's just another attempt by a billionaire to make money off the masses. Unsurprisingly, these folks have no clue what they're talking about. I'm going to sit here quietly for a moment to give you an opportunity to say, out loud, the reason Musk is getting involved in brain implants. If you think you know, go ahead and say it out loud now. I don't know what you said, but the true reason is Musk believes, without the sort of instantaneous access to information and computing power that comes with a brain chip, in time humans will not stand a chance against AI. Musk's view is that humanity will become slaves to AI because AI can bring up facts and determine the correct course of action in seconds or minutes, while the same analysis and decision-making cycle for humans is usually measured in days. I follow AI closely. There's a lot of chatter that humans will be fine, they'll be safe, as long as AI is used ethically. <laughs> I find that thinking incredibly childish. People always want the other guy to be ethical, but most aren't concerned about their own conduct being ethical if there's money in it for them. What did 2020, 2021, and 2022 highlight for us about the ethics of giant corporations? Right, there is no such thing as an ethical corporation. Even in cases of corporations we may see as ethical, it's really just a matter of comparison. They appear ethical in contrast to the actions of other corporations. Job one for all corporations is, and always will be, making money for the shareholders, period. So who will be developing the kind of AI that might view humans as adversaries in the future? Right, giant corporations that don't give a damn about ethics. Which defense contractor is it you believe would decline a trillion dollar contract for autonomous killing machines simply because there is a chance the AI could go rogue and wipe out every man, woman, and child in a small town in Iowa? And if you're thinking, that would never happen because they'd be sued back to the Stone Age, no, they won't, because they will be granted immunity from suit for such oopsies, just as Big Pharma has been granted immunity concerning mRNA injuries. Should the day come where odds with AI, Musk wants humanity to have a chance to prevail. Am I glorifying Musk, as some people have accused me? Frankly, I don't even know what that means. I'm telling you what he's doing and why. Nothing more, nothing less. Am I glad Musk exists? You bet. In the same way, I'm glad Jonas Salk exists. Look him up. Yet no one has ever accused me of glorifying Salk. When I consider Musk, this is my thought process. Name anyone else in the world with Musk's wealth, intelligence, and resources who is putting his money where his mouth is concerning matters such as free speech and the continued existence of humanity in a state of freedom. I'll wait. 
some people seem to have distaste for Musk simply because he's a billionaire. Okay, then tell me which auto mechanic, real estate agent, medical doctor, author, bowling lane owner, <laughs> grain operator it is who's going to preserve free speech in America's town square and protect humanity from enslavement by AI. Again, I'll wait. Like Musk, I have seen threats to the American people by the establishment and sounded the alarm. Several years ago, I recognized certain core truths about human physiology and health. Those truths had been, and continue to be, suppressed by government and various industries for profit. I set out to save lives by writing body science. I know I've done that because some readers tell me they'd almost certainly be dead had they not read body science. That's exciting and gratifying, but I'm just an ordinary guy, and I'm reaching only a tiny fraction of the people who desperately need to hear what the establishment has been hiding from them as Americans become chronically ill in greater and greater numbers every year. When I discovered the United States government was committing the largest financial crime in the history of the world against the American people through a 60-year disinformation campaign to convince Americans the law requires them, them to give a percentage of their earnings to the government, I wrote income tax shattering the myths to set a nation free. I hear back from readers all the time, so I'm vividly aware of the impact income tax shattering the myths has on an individual level. That said, I'll likely die without seeing the truth develop into a nationwide movement in which Americans walk away from the government's fraud and restore financial freedom to hundreds of millions of hardworking American families. Why? Because I'm just an ordinary guy reaching a tiny fraction of the population. I've often thought about the steps I would take to affect change if I was a billionaire. It would be epic, <laughs> but alas, I'm not a billionaire, or even a millionaire. Experiencing the frustration of not being able to affect change on a large scale, I don't begrudge Musk his wealth and influence at all. Quite the opposite. Given that he's applying it, even to his own detriment at times, for the preservation of free speech and the future freedom of humanity, I'm glad he has the resources to affect change on a grand scale. People have often asked me, why do I do the things I do? My answer is, if not me, then who? When it comes to issues such as free speech and the future freedom of humanity, my reply would be, if not me, then Musk. And that's okay. Before I let you go, I want to revisit the government's income tax fraud for a moment. The lies put out in the government's disinformation campaign are nearly impossible to dislodge from the psyche of the American people because for most people, it's rooted in fear. What that means is some people will refuse to read and come back shattering this because they fear discovering something that may jeopardize them feeling fearful, as odd as that may sound. It's rare for intellect to successfully overcome fear, even fear based on fabricated BS. Yet there are Americans who refuse to live in fear of government lies. If that's you, it's you I want to have read income tax shattering the myths today. Your fellow citizens will follow along after they know it's safe. Whether it's Musk and free speech, or humanity surviving AI in the future, or the government's income tax scam, whether it's Musk, me, or you, the answer is to take a stand. But of course, you can't take a stand unless you know with every fiber of your being that you have the facts and you're doing the right thing. In order for you to know that concerning the government's fraudulent income tax scheme, 
All you need to do is read income tax shattering the mist. It's literally that easy. You and I can't accomplish what someone like Musk can, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing everything we can to keep liberty alive. I hope you'll do what you can, which means getting informed about the scam and taking a stand against the government's grotesque misinformation campaign, just as Musk has taken a stand against communist-style censorship. To that end, I want you to go to drreality.news, drreality.news, and pick up a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist. See the irrefutable evidence with your own eyes, and then decide what you think should be done about it. While you're there, grab a copy of Body Science. I know in 2023 it's hard to believe you've been hoodwinked your entire life about how your physiology really works, what truly creates health or causes sickness. But you have my word that is not only the case, but body science will eviscerate those false narratives and make you the healthiest you have ever been. Once you've proven it to yourself, then you can share the great news with others. Lastly, I've been doing these fact-based presentations for almost 20 years without any cost to anyone. By picking up a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist or Body Science, not only will it change your worldview, but you will help me to continue to be here for you. And finally, don't forget the link I put in the notes to the presentation that lays out some of the astounding, irrefutable proof of the income tax scam. Thanks for spending your time with me today. Take care.